to The Global Campus, a podcast by the Center for Humanitarian Engagement at Walla Walla University. My name is Chad Nelson, and I'll be hosting the discussion we have here with the goal of engaging and inspiring our campus family while we're apart from each other during this COVID-19 pandemic. If you have suggestions for people or material you would like to hear in this space, please email che at wallawalla.edu. Hey, welcome back to the Global Campus. This is your host, Chad Nelson, and I have a special guest today to talk to. I'm really excited to talk to George Corrales today, who uh, is a sophomore aviation tech. Are you a sophomore or junior? Sophomore, yeah, aviation technology. All right. So we're going to have some fun today. Uh, Where are you calling from right now? I'm uh, down here in San Bernardino, California. No. All right, my my hometown, born and raised. <laughs> yes, sir. Yeah, I mean, I knew you through. Is I met it? you, and then we found out that we knew each other through Douglas. So that was fun. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, what's the weather? Is it is it hot down there yet? Yeah, it got to like 85, 90 the other day, and I was I was hosting. Yeah. <laughs> cool. So, uh, your aviation technology. Uh, what what ratings are you working on right now in your flight training? Uh, currently working on an instrument, got private out of the way, but you know, kind of can't fly right now, which sucks. So that's what it is. Right. Yeah. So anyway, uh, I'll ask you a few more questions about that, but let's get to know you a little better here. So I have a couple, a couple fun little questions for you. Um, would you rather, if you had to go out and grab a, a snack, some comfort food, would you go get a burrito or pizza? Oh, I'm a burrito, man. Burrito, yeah. What's your what's your place in Walla Walla? Are you a taqueria? Oh yeah, I'm a ta- I'm gang. a taqueria guy up in Walla Walla. Yeah. Yeah. All right. What about uh, Snapchat or Instagram? Instagram. Instagram. Okay. I feel like Snapchat is very like, I don't know, fleeting. But then I feel like Instagram, you can like put on some really cool like content and like kind of show like with my off roading page and stuff. You know, it's like you can put some really cool and like show some really cool adventures that you've been on and stuff. So yeah. Don't you have a YouTube channel with flying and off-roading and stuff? Yeah. I got a little bit of stuff on there. I mean, like I kind of just, uh, I'm not very good about posting stuff, but I'm more like have a huge, like, uh, you know, pit of all this footage that I take. And so I sometimes will make, uh, I'll make some videos out of it. So yeah, I got my YouTube and stuff like that. And I'll make some videos on all right. Uh, do you like iced or hot coffee better or any coffee? Um, it's, uh, I, you know, I'm a, it depends, you know, either it's straight black coffee or it's like a, a caramel frappuccino. There's no in between. Okay. okay. <laughs> oh, good answer. Um, so SoCal or P and W. Ooh, definitely P and W. Being yep. raised in Southern California is a. Uh, it really made me appreciate, you know, trees. You know, it's just, yeah, trees and wide open spaces and lots of dirt roads. Land and yeah, it's uh, everything about the north is more appealing to me. You know, <laughs> everything's cheaper and so many more places to adventure and stuff. Yeah, uh, it's, uh, thinking of you, I, I put this question together. If you could own any car. What would it be? It doesn't matter the price. 
it could be a rig or, or a sports car, whatever. I've seen some pretty, um, oh, what are they called? Um, earth roamers. Those are pretty cool. They're like these tricked out like trucks that are made for overlanding, They're like 300 grand. Um, yeah, they're like oh, okay. off-road, like custom tailored RVs that are like super sick. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I've seen that. Those are those are crazy. So, what are some of your other hobbies? Um, let's see. I like to go hiking in the mountains, and then you know I got my motorcycle, and then I got my my off-road rig, my Forerunner. So, I mean, yeah, I just pretty much like to go out and explore. And, you know, there's flying, of course. So, I uh, I essentially have every single dangerous hobby that there is, which is, you know, might as well. <laughs> oh yeah. And you and I, we just, we can tell the, the listeners, you and I flew down to Southern California for Thanksgiving, this last Thanksgiving break. That was a, that was a pretty fun time with you going down like uh, eight hours each way in the arrow. Yeah, that was a good time. We had Bluetooth pump in. You fell asleep in the passenger seat, and so I shoved the nose down and made you think they were falling to wake you up. So, you know, it was good <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah. It was a, it, we had really good weather. It was really beautiful. All right. So, yeah, um, we can see clear to right. Yosemite on part of it. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty. Oh, good times. Hopefully, we can start doing that kind of thing some more <laughs> soon. So right now you're in Southern California and you told me that you were, uh, you're taking, you're not taking any classes this quarter. What made you decide to get a job down there and take a break from classes? Um, first, I guess the main thing is like, you know, I'm at school to fly. And yeah. if I can't really fly, you know, like, I guess I could get, you know, generals and stuff out of the way. But like, if I'm paying like a full price for tuition, like, you know, like I learned better in the classroom environment. So I'd rather pay for that in the classroom environment. You know, I have expensive hobbies, uh, needless to say. So I found, I found a job down here that was hiring. And so, you know, it just made sense to just work a bunch. Yeah. I'm doing like over 50 hours a week, six days a week, you know, just, just working, which is, uh, you know, it's not great, but it's money. And it, yeah, good for yeah, you. Yeah, you know. Good for you. But you'll be back here in the fall, you said, right? Yes, sir. Yeah. And do you do you think you'll get to do any of your flight, finish some of your instrument training down there before you come here? I'm thinking about it, but you know how the, the school is with counting um, credits for it. Because if you do hours outside of their airplane, then it doesn't count. So then you have to do the entire yeah. thing. I might try and get the, the ground uh, the written out of the way or something, but yeah, that's I'm not idea. too worried right now. No, no. Cool. So recently I told people that I was going to talk about the little accident that I was in recently. I know that a lot of people that I'm friends with heard about it and maybe people in Walla because someone posted an article <laughs> on Facebook, but... <laughs> Just over a week ago, I was flying my plane with a friend. Um, it's an old antique, 1945 Taylor Craft. It's about the the cheapest, biggest biggest bang for your buck, in my opinion. 65 horsepower, really small, two person, but it gets around. And 
we were flying, just, we were doing some touch and goes at Martin Field, having some fun on the grass. And then <laughs> after that, kind of on the way back to Walla Walla, I flew north of the highway. So we're north of College Place, a couple miles west of the airport. And, you know, it's in these old tail draggers, you can land them pretty much anywhere out here. And so I've... I've started flying pretty low sometimes, you know, in the evening there's coyotes or deer out there and you can get up pretty close and, you know, just skim some ridges on the hills. And Never done that. <laughs> it, 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 it's, it's super dreamy and um, just, it's you know, a good time, yeah. you, it's a good time. And I always do it with, with a very uh, calculated risk and I always make sure that I'm positioned deliberately in relation to terrain, I'm not, you know, trying to out climb stuff mm -hmm. or not flying on the leeward side of ridges and getting down drafts. Anyway, um, it, so I was out there and there's just one long stretch of fields. It's about three miles long next to this road called Loney Road. Uh, just it, the hills kind of come mm -hmm. to a stop and then there's just like a long stretch of fields. And so I descended to come do a low pass over these fields, pretty low. And we were, there was nothing around the road was a little ways off to our side, but there were, there were no houses yeah. or vehicles or anything nearby. <clears throat> and so, you know, just cruising down this field and I could see that there were power lines up ahead and I knew that there were power lines, quite a few power lines in the area. And so I, always make a point to really figure out where those are but all of a sudden without any warning like there's just this like crazy pop and a jolt in the plane and the windshield Ooh. like shatters on the left side uh and then i noticed there's like blood dripping from my face and the plane feels kind of weird i was just in shock for probably i don't know a good <laughs> 30 seconds or so but anyway we made the decision to to land the plane instead of trying to fly it back to Walla Walla it probably would have made it back to Walla Walla but it could have been dangerous to try and keep flying it because it had definitely gotten some some decent structural damage uh, so I landed the plane in a field about quarter half mile from where it happened and luckily the the plane was still running and it we did a completely normal landing there was a nice open field that didn't have anything growing in it and you know soft soft landing um and that that was probably one of the scariest moments of my life because there wasn't even like it wasn't even like oh shoot there's power lines oh yeah I mean, 15 feet ahead of us it just like it just it just well, yeah, happened like, and that was when it. you're flying it's literally like a piece of floss i mean you and they're black and yeah you can't see those things no out of nowhere. Yeah. <laughs> so it was it was some smaller lines and the way I guess the way the light was hitting I went back and looked at it the next day um the, the way the the light hits it like they just basically become invisible in that area and that's not an excuse for me you know flying low and hitting power lines when you when you fly low you you take that risk and I've heard that a lot of crop dusters have had trouble with power lines because that it happens when you fly low so uh i'm not i'm not trying to excuse myself for for flying into power lines it's a pretty it's a pretty um 
you know, sobering, you feel pretty dumb after that. But luckily we were completely fine. The blood was just from a tiny little cut on my forehead. Uh, the plane is, however, probably being totaled by insurance. Um, but thank God for insurance. Anyway, I, uh, I, uh, you know, I thank the big man upstairs every day yeah. that, that I'm still alive here because if I had hit it a couple feet different, then the wheels could have caught, flipped us into the ground. Um, we could have gotten yeah. electrocuted. Yeah, it could have taken the wing off. So yeah, I'm glad we're okay. Yeah. It was a uh, uh, very, that's not that's not a good experience. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I I heard that you had kind of a scary experience flying recently too. What happened? Yeah, so I uh, had just gotten back down here and I was uh, decided to go flying with my friend, and um, we decided that we were going to do this program called Price for Pause. Uh, so we were taking this husky from down here. And we're going to fly him up to Sacramento um, to feed another pilot. And that pub's going to fly to Oregon so that we could go to a new, a new home up there um, to hopefully be adopted. But uh, we had taken off and we were flying. And we had noticed that our attitude indicator was a little bit – it wasn't working, um, we'll be honest. But, you know, it's whatever. We're still flying. It's completely VFRs, um, not a cloud in sight. Um, so, you know, you don't really need your attitude indicator so long as you don't – run into any clouds um but yeah because it kind of shows you um when you're in the cockpit you can't see those it shows you you know whether you're facing up down if you're leaning left or right so we're heading over yeah. that and then um we were heading up north following the five and we got over to um i don't know we put three hours in the flight north of fresno um but yeah we noticed uh, that there was some clouds and we're like okay you know this is what it is there's couple thousand feet of separation between the layers um still have ground reference we'll be okay and so we're flying along and um we get into these cloud layers in between these sandwich between these cloud layers and we're like okay well still got ground reference still got ground reference and then all of a sudden there wasn't ground reference and i was like huh okay well we have that we had the autopilot on it was still holding straight and level I was like, all righty, well, we'll hopefully punch through this in a second and we'll, you know, we'll be okay. And, you know, um, luckily, since I've been doing instrument training up there, I started doing I started scanning the instruments, you know, real well. And I noticed that our airspeed was just uh, dropping. And I was like, oh, that's not good. But then I looked at the altimeter, right? The altimeter wasn't moving at all, you know, and like if you're gaining or losing airspeed, that means your altitude should be changing. So I was like, oh. Well, that means we're in icing conditions. So our pitot tube, which, you know, gives us our airspeed, had iced up. And I was like, hey, I think you should flip on the pitot heat. <laughs> and, you know, he, uh, my friend I was flying with turns to me, he's like, uh, you know, we don't have pitot heat. <laughs> so, uh -oh. yeah, we're, so I was like, oh, gosh. So now the autopilot isn't getting um, accurate readings from stuff. So now it's starting to make the aircraft do things, you know, that's not supposed to. So I was like, okay well, this is, you know, a, an emergency, you know, like do or die situation. Um, so yeah, we're completely soft in the clouds. So you no way to tell which way is up, which way is down. Everywhere you look, it's just white. So we flipped off the autopilot. I took the controls and essentially I flew the airplane with a compass and the altimeter. <laughs> I was able to get it 180 and start a descent to get out of those clouds. Um, 
while we were down, you know, two or three instruments. So that was a, that's why we train for this stuff, yep. but that's literally the worst possible scenario that you can get into. And I think what's this assistant, like right. 90, 90 seconds is what the untrained pilot usually lasts. In, in yeah, something like seconds. that. You just get so, so disoriented. And that's even with like full functioning instruments and you didn't even have that. Yeah, you know. So, so when you turned around and dropped out, were you able to just descend out of the clouds and then it was clear below? So it was about two minutes, uh, uh, two or three minutes, which, you know, doesn't sound like a lot, but when you're actually in there, it feels like an eternity. It is insane. Right. Um, and it started to clear up and we, luckily we were about 10 minutes away from Harris ranch and airport up there. And so we just <laughs> and put it down on the ground and kind of, you know, uh, got our bearings back together. I'm like, all right, well, this dog isn't going North. Uh, we're just gonna get some food and wait this weather out a bit, fly back down South. So we did. Yeah. We ended up, my friend ended up just adopting the dog. So it all worked out, but. Oh, really? Yeah, wow. yeah, it it was just crazy. It was in probably within the span of fifteen seconds, things went from being like a okay to like, oh, this is an emergency. Wow. Wow. Well, that uh, I'm I'm glad you're okay, <laughs> and that's a that's an amazing, that is a crazy, crazy story. <laughs> I can't imagine what it'd be like without pedo heat and. Oh man. And to our, to our listeners who don't know what that is, uh, your pedo tube is, uh, it's the little tube that sits under the wing or sometimes on the nose of aircraft and it allows air to enter and your instruments, your altimeter, um, your airspeed. sorry, your airspeed indicator, you get your airspeed off of that. And then, um, another component of the system powers your altimeter and your vertical speed anyway so if that stuff ices over because you don't have pedo heat then your instruments start giving you bad readings so wow well uh glad that glad that you're alive so, yeah not yeah. upside down yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's crazy coronavirus quarantine flying stories <laughs> All right. So how's, how is this life under COVID-19? How's it, how's it kind of changed things for you? Um, well, for the first couple of weeks, you know, I was just kind of under house arrest. So, you know, coming from Washington, which had it pretty bad. Um, my parents just kind of kept me under the lock and key, which I can't blame them, but you know, then I got a, I got a job. And so, uh, now I just wear a mask going everywhere. And then uh, it's crazy. Yep. Like, the lines outside of stores like 30 minutes to get into like sam's club you know you think you're at like a ride at disneyland or something but oh no just yeah. trying to get some frozen food or something <laughs> yeah it's crazy wow. you know everywhere shut down um i was lucky that i even found a job so <laughs> yeah wow and um do you know anybody that's like do you know of anybody who's lost any family members or who's gotten it? Yeah. Um, I know a girl who's two, whose cousin aunt and uncle got it. They're doing all right right now. Hmm. But, and then, you know, 
Well, yeah, and then I got down here, down here, and then my grand, my great grandpa died, um, which was bound to happen. Um, but it wasn't because of coronavirus. But um, you know, still, in a time like this, you know, we can't have a yeah. we can't have a funeral. We can't do that stuff. It's still, you know, it still sucks. It's really sad. I'm sorry. It's part of life, you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's definitely big. <laughs> Everything's changing so much it's just amazing how quick it hit and what like wow so if if there's people listening out there george what uh what kind of encouragement would you have to say for people who are you know stuck in their homes or bored or going through hard times right now you know it's kind of one of those things where it's just like you gotta hang in there um you know it, it it sucks and it is what it is, but like, you know, you can definitely make the most of it. Like I picked up guitar for like 35 bucks and I've been teaching myself to play the guitar and oh, really? I've been working on a bunch of house projects and like, you know, it's uh, it's a good time to be productive and to look introspectively and do stuff. So yeah, it sucks to be stuck inside your house and not be able to see your friends and stuff. But I mean, it's a give and a take because I think it creates an opportunity for a lot of self-improvement. Right. All right. Well, George, it's been good having you on the program. Uh, Thanks, Chad. Yeah. Well, everybody, this is George Corrales, a uh, sophomore aviation tech major at Walla Walla and a man of many talents, very adventurous guy. So, uh, Follow us on Spotify. We are getting podcasts up on Apple Podcasts. The first one went up the other day. It's slower to come up on Apple. And anyway, give me feedback. Chad.Nelson at wallawalla.edu. Trying to make this a fun podcast. Make it helpful, encouraging while we are all stuck around the world in different places. So thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. for listening to the Global Campus Podcast. We hope that you feel connected to our campus family through listening to shared experiences. Please share with friends and family. Your feedback is appreciated. Most importantly, let's encourage each other to look for ways to relieve the pain of this hurting world. Until next time.